Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Where do you go in your life to get approval? Do you go to family or friends or colleagues or bosses or even celebrities? The Bible is clear that the approval we need in our life comes from Jesus Christ our Lord. It is only in Jesus and through Jesus that we can have any meaningful and genuine approval. It's from Jesus that we desire to one day hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 7 and see this incredible example set for us by Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are just just loving on Jesus, just spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. Um, knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, experiencing Jesus, obeying Jesus, repenting when we don't obey Jesus. It is the meaning of all human life. All life, physical, exists for Jesus, and all life eternal can exist and does exist only in Jesus. Uh, in Jesus, God the Father is our heavenly Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is our Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. We are the Bride of Christ. We're the Body of Christ as believers. God the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. As believers in Jesus Christ, he, he lives in us as those trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, clinging to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. We have relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three separate beings, three individual beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But all of this happens only in and through Jesus Christ. And once we've received him, John 1.12 says to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So once we've received Jesus Christ and we in we have we are genuinely trusting in him and relying on him and clinging to him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Once we've done that, we we have this incredible relationship with the triune God and we spend our lives Growing to know our, our our heavenly Father, God the Father, better. Knowing to know, growing to know Jesus, God the Son, more more intimately, and we do that by, uh, as well as the Holy Spirit, growing to know God the Holy Spirit better and more intimately. And we do this. We grow in relationship with the Triune God by by spending time in the Word of God, in the Scriptures, and feeding our spirit. You remember Jesus said in Matthew four four that. That man does not live on bread alone. Human beings don't live on physical food alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Bible is the, the living word of God. Um, really, 
it's been put together over thousands of years and preserved and and countless countless tens of thousands of hours have gone into into getting us this bible like my brother ethan said it doesn't just fall out of the sky i mean so much has gone into making so that we could have this bible it is in fact the living word of god but but an, an immense, incalculable care has gone in to get it to where we have it today. And so we can grow to know the triune God by spending time in the scriptures, by meditating on the scriptures, by studying the scriptures, by memorizing the scriptures, and above all, by obeying the scriptures and by repenting when we fall short, by, by, by just by acknowledging our mistakes. When you read the scripture and you see that something's out of place, you simply come in agreement with it. That's what it is to confess. It's just to agree with, with the word of God and with your heavenly father or with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit or with all of them that you are, you know, you, you have indeed made a mistake and you, and, you, and, you, and you ask for forgiveness. You say, Father, I'm sorry. And, and all of this helps us grow in our relationship with the triune God. Now it's important to understand none of this saves us. Growing in relationship doesn't save us. Yet we only have relationship because we are saved. There's nothing we can do in any manner or in any way. Anything we did would ruin our salvation. Anything we tried to add to what Jesus did would utterly spoil it. There's literally nothing I can do if I took the best, you know, if I took the best two minutes of, if I, if I took the best two minutes of all the best two minutes I've ever lived, and I gathered the seconds here and a moment here and times here, and I, and I gathered them all together to just the finest two minutes of my existence, if I added it to what Jesus did on the cross, I'd destroy it. I wouldn't destroy him. I would destroy my own salvation because they cannot exist. We are saved from our sin completely, totally, and, and entirely by what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And it's only by humbling ourselves, abandoning, abandoning any idea, repenting and turning, changing our mind from any idea that anything we can do can make us right with God or acceptable to God or... Or, or allow us to stand before a holy God. It's only in and through Jesus Christ, alone, completely, and only in him and completely in him, not at all in me or in anything else, that I have the forgiveness of our, my sins and the salvation of my soul and genuine relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, it's in only in Jesus and trusting in Jesus that the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in me and gives me life, spiritual life. And now I'm one with Jesus Christ in spirit. It's incredible. It's incredible. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we're going we're gonna to begin John chapter 7. Um, just such a blessing. I guess it was, I don't know, you know how, how far we are, but through six chapters of John... There are 30-something teachings, maybe 36 teachings, 37 teachings. And um, 
again, we're just going verse by verse by verse by verse. We're expositing the scriptures. It's expository teaching, and uh, we're just being fed in the scriptures. And it's there's just really no greater privilege than this. So, Father, we do worship you, and we thank you, and we praise you. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. We thank you that we have these the Holy Scriptures, Father. We thank you, Father, that we have our Bible. We thank you, Father, just for the, for the overwhelming, incalculable care and time put in that we would have these scriptures, the living word of God, Father, the perfect word of God, Lord, the, um, the inerrant word of God, Father. We just thank you for these scriptures, Father. But, Father, even more than that, we thank you for Jesus Lord, we thank you for our Lord and our Savior and our Master and our King. We thank you, Father, for Jesus and for sending Jesus to save us and to die for us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that, that he is indeed raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for willingly our God becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And Lord Jesus, we worship you, our risen Savior and Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 1. John 7, verse 1, and I hope to get through 13. After this, Jesus went around Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast. Because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. This is so, so this is powerful. Golly. Um, verse 1. After this... And it's a continuation, you know, the, the, uh, the Apostle John is writing this. And, 
you know, after he is speaking in the synagogue, you remember through verse six, he is, he's talking to them about he's the only provision for their life in chapter six, uh, excuse me. And, uh, and, and people couldn't, you know, it was too hard a teaching for most of them. So he leaves the synagogue. He asks his disciples if they want to leave too. They say, incredibly, my favorite verse, where are we going to go? There's nowhere else to go, Jesus. I mean, you have the words of the eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere to go but Jesus. You can try everything else in the world and it will give no fulfillment. Only in Jesus Christ do we have true, genuine, eternal fulfillment and eternal life. And so verse one says, after this, you know, after all that happened in chapter six, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. It, uh, Jesus had made claims in, uh, in chapter five. If you, if you go to chapter five, you'll see where, where he says sometime around verse, I don't know, 10 to 13, nine, um, where he, you know, he called himself the son of God. The Jewish leaders knew that that was a statement that meant he was making himself equal to God. He didn't deny it. They charge him saying, you a mere man, make yourself equal to God. Jesus never denies it because he is in fact equal to God. He is equal to God. He is God. And so, and so because of this, you know, people were coming to him as Messiah, as Savior. The Jewish leaders didn't believe this. And so they were, they were, they were plotting to take his life. And Jesus knew this. Now, it's not because of a lack of courage that Jesus is doing this. This is, this is important. Verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. Jesus was fully submitted to God the Father, fully led by the Holy Spirit. You, you remember in, uh, in, 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 in Matthew um, chapter, you know, uh, 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 chapter three, maybe beginning chapter four, the spirit of God comes down on him and remains on him. And, you know, so you can see Jesus is submitted completely to the will of the father and is led completely by the spirit of God. So you could see this incredible, um, cooperation in the Holy Trinity, even in the, even in the, the life of Jesus Christ on earth. And as such, Jesus Christ is led by the Father and the Holy Spirit as to the timing of everything. He does, he does what he does being, again, being directed by the Father and by the Holy Spirit. So clearly he's being led here, uh, submitted to the Holy Spirit, um, and under the direction of the Heavenly Father, uh, to stay away from Judea. It's not because, you know, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus would have in a moment, uh, just like Paul says in Philippians 1, he would rather die and depart and go be with Christ, which is better by far. And, you know, to be in heaven with Jesus, there are not words to say how, how infinitely better that, that is than being here on earth. But it wasn't time 
for Jesus to die. There was a, a time and a way for Jesus to give his life. And it wasn't for him to just recklessly go places where he knew people were trying to take his life. There would be a time for him to turn his life over to be crucified for the sins of the world, but this wasn't it. Hence, again, being in lockstep with God the Father and being led in lockstep by God the Holy Spirit. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. Perfect. Verse 2. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, three, Jesus' brothers said to him, this is incredible, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, uh, we, we've talked about this before, there were three major feasts, three, right? just three, not six, three major feasts every year in the Jewish calendar, okay? And this is one of the major feasts. The Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was a week-long feast. Scholars say generally it happened around September or October every year. And it, it was just, uh, you know, it was just a celebration of, uh, of God's deliverance in their lives. Um, uh, again, the three feasts are, are the Feast of of Passover, right, was a major feast, um, the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and then the third feast, golly, I was just studying it this morning, uh, uh, the Feast of uh, Pentecost. Sorry about that. So, yes, um, the Feast of Passover, which is the biggest one by far, but then the Feast of uh, Tabernacles is, is a major one, and then the Feast of Pentecost. So those are the three major feasts. That feast is coming up. And so <laughs> Jesus' brother said to him, now it's interesting. Um, there, are, there, are, there are many people around the world who, you know, who don't believe that Jesus had, had siblings, who, who, who do not believe that Jesus had brothers and sisters. And they somehow... Uh, they somehow interpret these scriptures, which are the same, by the way. It's the same in their Bible. They 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 hold to a, a perpetual virginity of Mary, um, where the the scripture clearly teaches um, that that Jesus did have brothers and sisters, and they were other children of of Mary. Um, so for some reason, um, people think this is this this for whatever reason makes Mary less. Um, and, it, and, it, and it does not. Um, Mary is an incredible woman of God. She was chosen by God to give birth to the Savior. Uh, she was indeed uh, a woman who walked with God. She was a, a sinful woman like all of us are. But she walked a righteous life in Christ uh, by far better than most people ever will. That, that being the case, this does say, make it clear that she had other children. Um, other, uh, uh, some people will say that when it says Jesus' brothers here, it's talking about his disciples, his spiritual brothers. That would make little sense because when you read it, it says 
Jesus's brother said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you could do. So do you see how that doesn't make sense? If they, if, if, if these were spiritual brothers or his disciples, why are they saying so that your disciples can see what you do? Um, and again, it's just that the plain reading of this is clear that, that Jesus, you know, did have other physical brothers. Now, again, there are, there are just other people around the world, well-meaning people that, that, that for whatever reason, don't believe that our job is to, our job is to consistently, Melanie, adjust our lives to the Bible, right? We, we're supposed to take the word of God and we, 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 we're supposed to adjust our beliefs, our thinking, and our acting according to what the Bible says, right? We're supposed to make our lives and beliefs fit the Bible we're not supposed to make the Bible fit what we want to believe. So Jesus's brothers said to him, they are his, his, his family. You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. Isn't it interesting? And this is just, you know, um, in, uh, in John chapter four, it says when Jesus, you know, went home, um, I think it's around verse 43 or 44 um, of John 4. And it says that, you know, Jesus knew that, a, you know, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so he, here he is speaking to his family and, and they have advice for him. They uh, they feel like they can they can tell Jesus what to do now, obviously. Hopefully, we see the absurdity of this. Um, they're instructing him on how he ought to manage his ministry. Jesus' brother said to him, they're saying to God. Now, it says, as you see in verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. And obviously, just the context there is very clear that it's speaking about his physical brothers, Right. Um, because if they were spiritual brothers, they would believe in him. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a spiritual brother. For even his own brothers did not believe in him, verse 5 said. And so this is his own family. You know, oftentimes when, uh, when you know, when the Lord calls someone to make a stand for something or somebody has to stand up, you know, against, uh, you know, in the face of difficulty or ridicule, at least, at least he's got his his family and his friends behind him. Jesus didn't even have that. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. But and, and so again, it, it, we ought not be given exhortation to Jesus. You know, sometimes I confess when things are frustrating, when when times are difficult. You know, I can be frustrated, and and sometimes tell Jesus how I believe he ought to be doing things, right? You know, um, when you're in relationship with somebody, when you're in deep relationships, sometimes you feel like you can tell Jesus what's up or what needs to be done. And his brothers, his family here, his brothers, they, they have seen the miracles. So they believe he's a miracle worker, but they, they would not receive his claim as Messiah, as savior of the world. 
That was too much for them. And again, imagine your older brother, and, and it's like, again, we in, in Acts 1, maybe verse 14, these brothers are now with him. So uh, imagine you grew up in, in a home with, with your big brother, and, and all of a sudden now, you know, you're starting to hear things, even from him, that he's the Messiah and the Savior, and that's not something he revealed to you growing up. And so you can see almost the dynamic here on how it might be hard. Um, but it, there's there's no excuse. And like I said, I believe it's Acts uh, chapter 1, somewhere around verse 14, where his brothers are now be believers in him as the Savior. As of right now, they believe in him as a... Uh, as a, as a miracle worker. And so look what they say. Jesus' brother said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret, verse 4. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. This is so important. Again, his family had seen his brothers. You notice it doesn't mention his mother in here. His brothers had even seen the miracles, had heard of the miracles, and they did believe in him as, as a miracle worker. But they did not believe in him. Verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Um... But if you look at verse 3, it says, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. What's the issue here with them? They say, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. His disciples believed, I'm sorry, his brothers believed that, that for... For him to succeed, he needed the approval of the world. They, they, they believed that, that Jesus' ministry hinged on him being known publicly. Now, this is powerful, right? Because it doesn't. And, and this section of scripture is so powerful because in their mind... You ought to leave here and go to Judea. Go to this Feast of Tabernacles where there could be 100, 150, 200, 250,000 people and start rattling off some miracles over there so that everybody could see and so that like the bigwigs could see because that's where the, the main top-end Jewish religious leaders are. So go up there and do, do all your miracles up there so that so that the big dogs could see you and you know then you know then maybe your ministry will be what it's supposed to be so you see there was this there was this idea that for his ministry to be successful he needed the approval of the world and boy Corinne, can we re can we relate to that can we relate to that may that for 
for your ministry to be successful, you need to go and be a public figure. You need to go show yourself to where the where where all the main people are. You need to get the like the the real high end people to like you. <laughs> yeah. Verse four. Look what they say. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. He never said he wanted to become a public figure. But it's so interesting that Jesus has this much power, but yet they're saying you're kind of puddling around here in Galilee. Go up to the the place where there'll be massive crowds and put on a show. Do a little miracle dance. That's not the essence of Christ's ministry, not one bit. Jesus came to give his life for the sin of the world. And the time would come where publicly, he would go up publicly. But he went up publicly, if you can grasp this. And he was publicly condemned. And then he hung on a cross publicly for you and I, naked. He was tortured publicly. He was nailed to a cross publicly. He was humiliated publicly. He did go publicly at one point. You can't even think about it without getting getting a little emotional. But he didn't go up publicly like almost all of us would as his brothers are telling him, to show off and do a little dance. That that wasn't the time for him to go public. The time to go public is when he would be humiliated for you and I, Lauren, right? When he'd give his life on our behalf, when he'd be tortured on our behalf, when he'd be nailed to a cross and beaten to an, an inch of his life publicly. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Just forgive us, Lord. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. He never wanted to become a public figure. He's not a politician. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Because that's the verse, right? Since you are doing these things, his brothers say, show yourself to the world because... In their mind, it's the world who would validate his ministry. It's not the world that validates our ministry in Christ ever. It's Jesus who validates our ministry. It's Jesus who, it's the only ministry we have is Jesus. The only ministry there is in the world is Jesus. No Jesus, no ministry. If you have Jesus in truth, All ministry exists only in and through Jesus Christ, and frankly, for Jesus. Show yourself to the world. Father, I ask you to forgive us where it's our hearts and desires to show ourselves to the world instead of to show ourselves to you. Forgive us, Father, as a church. Forgive me where we have just consistently failed, where, where we have seemingly become so much like the world. Lord, where we need to be like Jesus and be contrary, be a contrast to the world and their thinking. Help us, Father. Help us to uh, to repent 
and to have and to have eyes that see this and ears that hear it. We just worship you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. So you see here why he's not going up. Okay, The time for him to be a public display, it's not this time. And it's not for that reason. Why did he stay, verse 1, away from Judea? Because it wasn't the time for him to be crucified. D does everyone, do y'all understand that Jesus could have went up to Judea and just instantly unmade everybody there? Um, term I learned from C.S. Lewis, but Jesus could have went up there and just unmade everybody. Jesus wasn't afraid of nobody, right? When, just as Jesus used his power to heal, he could have used his power to destroy. But he didn't. So he's, he's under the timing of God the Father and being led by God the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time's right. Okay? If you don't have Jesus Christ living in you, everything you do is led by emotions and feelings there's no leading of God at all. They did not know him as Savior. They were not saved. And so for them, they had no leading of God whatsoever. The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. We, we Oftentimes, to do the will of God, it's to be done in the timing of God, Right? When we're walking, we want to be led by Christ, not only to do what he's told us to do, but in the timing of it. Now, again, this is a very, very hard principle. This takes, this is a level of mature Christianity fewer of will get to. We want to continue to live our lives for Christ. We want to be a blessing in Christ, but we want to be, we want to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, not only in what we do, but in, in how we do it and the time in which we do it. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come for you. Any time is right. Verse 7, the world cannot hate you. The world cannot hate you. Look what he says to his brothers. But it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. If you're a Christian today and everybody in the world likes you, then that's probably a sign that, that you're not testifying to some things you ought to. Jesus tells them, the world cannot hate you. If we as Christians behave completely and totally like the world, then of course they won't hate us. They'll like us. They'll agree with us. But if we say no, a behavior is wrong, you know, they're, they're not going to appreciate that. They're not going to want that. They're certainly not going to agree with that. You're going to be contrary to the world. Obviously, the world is not going to hate. Now, when, he, when we talk about the world, we're talking about people who don't live their lives in accordance with the word of God, the Bible. People who don't live their lives in Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. None of us, there's no question, none of us live a perfect life. We're all sinful people. The difference is, as believers in Christ, we call sinful behavior sinful behavior and we call it wrong. And, and we know it's wrong, and, you know, we, we repent of it. 
If we're walking with Christ deliberately, we repent over unbiblical behavior. The world is not under the Bible. They won't put themselves under the Bible. And biblically, that's wrong. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. And again, it's our job. And it doesn't mean we just walk out into the world and just start telling everybody you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. It's not about that. Okay. It's simply about speaking the truth to the word of God. And when the Lord does, does put you into it, we say, no, it's only in Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven of our sin. And, and yes, you know, um, you know, lying is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Right. Um, or whatever it is, right? Being selfish is wrong. Being self-centered is, is wrong. Um, in, 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 in all the different aspects of what the Bible teaches, right? Using foul language is wrong. Lust is wrong. Being greedy is wrong. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. Verse 8, you go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast because for me, the right time has not yet come. So again, he's waiting to be led by the Spirit of God and by his Heavenly Father for the timing to go to the feast. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. Verse 10, however, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. What does this mean? So he went publicly, not in, speak, uh, in secret. Generally, families and friends um, would, would, would travel in like a big caravan to these feasts. They would all go together as a big family. Um, you'll, you'll see it in Luke 2 when, uh, you know, around verse 40 or so, when, when Jesus goes, you know, doesn't, uh, stays back from the feast. And you'll see that Mary's looking for him among their relatives uh, Mary and Joseph, but, but they don't find him. And so you'll see this principle that when they would, they would travel up together, they would go in a very public forum. They would go with, you know, um, masses of people. And so it says after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also not publicly, but in secret. So in secret means that, you know, he simply went up privately. Um, it, it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, perhaps his disciples were with him, but he didn't make a big show of it. Again, Jesus wasn't interested in making a show. You can see here that, that Jesus is wanting to go and he's being led by the Father, led by the Holy Spirit as to, you know, as to the timing of everything. But he does it in a way where he's not drawing a lot of attention to himself. And he doesn't go up in, in the normal big caravans that they would travel in. So hopefully that makes sense. Verse 11. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Now, the religious leaders, it says in verse 13, they didn't want anyone even talking about Jesus. They didn't want you know, just because the more people talked about him, whether you liked him or whether you didn't, it was just drawing more attention to Jesus. And they did not want attention being driven to Jesus. Um, these are now where the chief priests and the most powerful religious leaders in Israel would be. And they had made it clear to the people that Jesus was not to be discussed. And the people would fear them. 
because they could bring consequences to bear on their, you know, on their life. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? So again, people had consistently seen the miracles. They had not received him as Messiah. Few had, but they had seen the miracles. And remember, they were looking for a Messiah that was a, uh, that was a, a, a like a, a mighty king. They were looking for, you know, a, a, a great Messiah to be this great general, to be this deliverer physically, to deliver Israel out from under the, the you know, the hand of Rome. Rome was occupying uh, Israel. And so they wanted to be delivered from that. And they wanted a great Messiah to raise up and, you know, bring Israel back to their formal glory where Jesus did not come to be a natural deliverer, like an Alexander the Great. He came to be a spiritual deliverer, which is what, which is what they desperately needed and what we desperately need. We need a spiritual deliverer to deliver us from spiritual death and from the grip of sin in our lives and to bring us to eternal life. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ if we will receive him and trust in him and rely on him and cling to him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Verse 11. Well, we read 11. Where's that man? 12. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he was a good man. Others replied, no, he receives the, he deceives the people. It's interesting. There was really no middle ground on belief in Jesus. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. Right? Jesus drove you just in, in the way he was. Jesus was not gray. Jesus was incredibly black, black and white. Some said he was a good man. Others say, no, he deceives the people. That's important. You and I ought not be gray people because we have no advice of our own. Our only advice is the word of the living God. Our advice is the son of God, Jesus Christ, and the word of God, the Bible. That's the only advice we have. We don't have our own opinions or our own thoughts as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. And, and we want to be that way. It's, it's just many of us just want to live our lives in the gray. And the Bible is an absolute black and white book. It's a black and white word of God that's very clear and unambiguous. 13, but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. And again, the Jews had uh, clearly the Jewish leaders didn't want people speaking about Jesus. They, you know, they didn't want just this whole Jesus movement to get rolling. They were trying to squash it. So they didn't want you to say anything good or anything bad. Well, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll pick up next time in verse 14. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your example to us. Father, we ask you to help us to just to be led by you, not only what to do, but in the timing of what to do. Uh, Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us, Lord, where we are presumptuous and we think we know what's best, like your brothers were, and explaining to you how you needed to go up. Lord, forgive us when we believe we need the world's approval in things. 
I ask you to help us, Father, that the only approval that we need is you. Holy Spirit, we we ask you to lead us and guide us and help us to live this out now as we go forward. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.